Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello again. I'm talking about the kingdom of God, and today we are talking about a famous passage in Matthew chapter 6. You might know it or various parts of it. There's a part where Jesus says, do not worry about what you will eat or wear and all those physical things because God cares for you. There's another part where it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things will be added to you. But the passage starts off with Jesus talking about money and what we build on this earth in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, I have had the experience of living through hyperinflation. And we had money one day, and the next day it was worth nothing. We would have to take a rucksack full of money, and it was stapled together in bricks just to buy a loaf of bread. I've spoken to friends of mine from various countries in South America and Eastern Europe who had exactly the same situation. I've also spoken to people who thought that their wealth was safe because it was saved in a building or in a possession and then it got stolen or it got decayed. And we realize that in this world, there is nothing that is certain. And he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so my question today about the kingdom of God is, is your heart and your treasure here on earth or is it in heaven? And how do we lay up treasures in heaven? Now, in another place in the Bible, Jesus spoke to uh, various people in various times. And he says, if you give money, if you give away money to the poor or for God, then you are laying up treasures in heaven. He told another parable about a man who'd lost his job. He was the manager of a business and he lost his job. But just before his last day, he used his position to make friends with various different business people so that when he left his job, he would be able to have some friends afterwards. And Jesus said, in the same way, use earthly money to make friends in heaven. We can lay up treasure in heaven by giving to God's work and to the poor. But I'm going to go on first, read through this passage, and then I'm going to show you three other ways that we can build for the kingdom, lay up treasure in heaven. Verse 22, Jesus said, in the same context, the lamp is the lamp of the body is the eye. What was he saying? He was saying that what you look at is actually putting something into yourself. The, the thing you focus on, the thing you love, the thing you desire, or the thing you hope for, your vision of the future, actually lets light or darkness into your body. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If you're looking at and wanting the right things, then it affects you physically and spiritually. 
But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now this is a counter-cultural statement. Jesus was saying that the thing you want and focus on, similar to where your heart is, there your treasure is, the thing that you're desiring and looking at. You know, we wake up every day and we look at things with a hope to get them. There's not just a looking at things to perceive. Sometimes we look with a hope to get. And he says, if you're looking at the kingdom of God, God's kingdom, heavenly things, eternal things, things that will matter and last for eternity, then it changes you on the inside. You become full of light and hope. But if you're looking at the things this world says we should look at, you know, every day you're bombarded with advertisements that say you need a bigger this and a better that and the latest this and be like your neighbors and and have you thought of this and have you worried about this? And we need to say, what is my eye focusing on? I said in a previous talk that faith is not denying this physical world. We We exist in a physical world and we admit that it is real, but we see a greater world, a kingdom to come that is coming here and now. And so we live full of light and full of hope and full of joy. Then verse 24, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that word mammon is an old fashioned word for money, but the greed of money. You know, there's a verse that says um, money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Many people have perverted that verse and they say money is the root of all evil. That's not what it says. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And that's what mammon is. It's when you love money, when you, you worship it, when your eye is just thinking about how can I get more stuff and more money. And we think money will solve our problems. We think if I just had more, then I'd be happy. Then I would, um, my relationships would be fixed and I would be able to have security and, and, and just peace in my heart. That's when we love money. And he says, you've got to decide what is your eye looking at? What are you serving? Where is your heart? Where is your treasure? Is it here on earth or is it in heaven? Now we still use money and God wants us to use money. There are many verses in the Bible that say God wants us to have enough and a lot of money, but not for our own greed. It's so that we can give away more. (laughs) John Wesley said, get as much as you can and give as much as you can. And that is the principle. We, We use money for God's kingdom. We're serving God and money is just a tool. But you know and I know whether we are serving money or serving God. You know in your heart. You know what your eye is searching for. You know what your heart desires. You know where your security lies. And you know what what you're serving, what you really are serving. So let's move on. Therefore, I say to you, and now this is just to, to help you, Christian. If you don't know Jesus yet, get to know him today. I'll pray a prayer at the end of the talk today and you can get to know him. But if you know Jesus, listen to this. Therefore, do not worry about your life what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He says that physical things, bank accounts, cars, clothing, houses, uh, the flashy equipment and gadgets of this world are not what life's about. Life is about more 
than physical things, more than clothing, more than food. Life is about relationships and the ultimate relationship is with God himself and with others. Life is about uh, friendships, love, peace, joy, serving God. You know, you're serving someone. You're either serving God or you're serving money, this passage says. You're serving someone, serve the right one and you'll reap the benefits in this life. It says, do not worry. My friend, are you worried? Do you find yourself anxious? Take these verses to heart. Say, why so downcast, O my soul? Take control of your emotions and your thoughts and say, I'm going to take every thought captive to the truth and the obedience of Christ's word. Life is worth more than gadgets and things. I've been fortunate enough to have a lot and to have a little. And as Paul says, I've learned to be content. There is more to life than things and bank balances. Amen. Verse 26, therefore, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Friend, you're loved. You're loved by the God of the universe. He created everything. He still knows the recipe for manna if he needs to feed you. He still knows how to tell ravens to bring you food like he did for Elijah. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's not short of money and he has promised he will care for you. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. The laborer is worthy of his wages. If you're serving the king, wherever you are on the planet, that is your workplace. You are on duty for God and he will take care of you. He will look after you. I've seen it again and again how God looks after his people. I've never seen the righteous hungry or their children begging for bread, the Bible says. God will care for you. You are loved and cared for by God. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Take heart, my friend. Take these verses and say, God will look after me. Now, there is a verse that says, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. And so there is something in God's economy where he says, be active. But it doesn't mean be employed. It doesn't say if a man will not be employed, he will not eat. It says if a man will not work. And if you don't have a job, make your job telling people about Jesus or cleaning up the streets around you. Be busy doing something for God, whatever it is, and you will see God come through. I had an amazing discussion many, many years ago with a man who was homeless and penniless. And he had a wife and a little child and he had no money and no job. And I just shared with him a simple little truth in a five minute conversation. I said, work and you will eat because God will take care of you. He says, I don't have a job. I said, that doesn't mean you can't work. Go and help somebody. Go and do something. Go and be active. Share the word, hand out tracts, whatever it is. Do something for the Lord. And he came back to me a few weeks later. He says, God has blessed me. God has looked after me. He's provided in all these ways. We have open doors. We have a way forward because God's promises are true. Verse 31, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? You see, what you say is actually important. You can say what the world says. Oh, what shall we? What's going to happen to us? 
this may happen. And we start to say the bad things that the devil is wanting us to think about. He throws fiery darts at us, which are worries and temptations. But when we say them, we believe our own words. And so it becomes a a self-fulfilling prophecy. Don't say the negative. Say, God will supply all my needs according to his riches. Verse 32. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, their eye is fixed on the dark, your eye is fixed on the light. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So I want to just show you a a couple of ways that we can build for the kingdom and seek first his righteousness. The first is doing good things. It says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness is doing good things, living the way that God intended for you to live. You know, when God made you, when he designed you, when he dreamed you in his mind, he had design specifications in mind and a way for you to live. And then Psalm 139 says he wrote in a book before you were even made all the plans he had for you and all the things he wanted you to do. And then Ephesians 2 verse 10 says you are his workmanship or his work of art and he's created good things for you to do in advance. So God has righteous things for you to do. And when we do them, it's not to earn a way to heaven. It's out of gratitude and love for God. It's it's serving our king out of gladness. But the Bible says in Revelation 14, verse 13, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Their works follow them. Friend, you know that the Bible speaks of crowns being given to us when we get into heaven. There are five different descriptions of these crowns in in the New Testament. I won't go into it now. But the, the fact is your works follow you. There are rewards. Jesus said, I want to give my rewards to you. Uh, the chief shepherd, shepherd, he says to elders, the chief shepherd will give you the crown. God wants to give you rewards and your works follow you. But then it speaks of us throwing our crowns before the throne. In other words, we don't have crowns to to say, look how much I've got. We give them back to God in glory and thanks. And there is a reward for your righteous acts and they follow you into heaven. It's a way of building the kingdom of heaven. You can build something for another realm in this realm by serving God out of gratitude. That's the first way. The second way is through um, building his church. Paul says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he says there's a foundation. And interestingly enough, he's talking about people, individuals, groups of people, and the church, because they're all the same thing. In Paul's mind, an individual is part of the church. A group of people is the church, not a building. But then together they become something called the church, which he likens to a building, but it's not a physical building. We're building the church of God. So when you build into individuals' lives, into small groups, into churches, when you build the church of God, you're building something. Listen to what he goes on to say. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, the foundation of Jesus, if you want to build in your personal life, your individual life, You've got to start with the foundation of believing in Jesus, 
trusting in him, his death on the cross for you. His word is true. That's the foundation. Then we've got something to build on. You're never going to build a life of good works that will get you into heaven. The foundation has to be believing in Jesus alone for your salvation. But then he says, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. What's that day? It's judgment day. It's, he likens it to us passing through a fire and everything is tested. You know, gold is sometimes refined in fire to get rid of the impurities so that just the pure gold remains. It's almost like he says you bring everything you've done in your life to this judgment day and it passes through a fire. A bit like those x-ray machines at the airport where all your possessions pass through and they check that everything's okay. Everything you've done, every minute you've spent, every pound or penny or dollar that you've spent, every second and every relationship and every desire and every bit of effort and every dream and every word, every action comes through this fire. And he says it will be tested because it will be revealed by, be, be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And then he says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? You are the temple of God. And when he says you there, he's speaking plural. In the King James, it says ye and not thee. That's how you can tell whether he's speaking to a group or to one. He says ye are the temple of God. You are the building of God. And God's spirit dwells in you. And now build into the church, build into your life, build into others' lives, build the church. You say, how do I do this? Volunteer, give money, give encouragement, attend various meetings, pray, help. Say to people, how can I help you serve God better? Get involved with the leadership. Do whatever you can to build the church of God. Advertise, invite people, tell people about it. As we do that, the Bible says we're building with gold, silver, and precious stones. Isn't that amazing? As you build the church of God, you are building something in heaven. And it will be tested through fire, but what is built for God remains. The next one is an amazing verse. It's in Daniel chapter 12, and it's talking about salvations and leading people closer to Christ. It says that, as you do that, the people you lead closer to Christ, there is a reward in heaven. You're building something for the future. Daniel 12, verse 2. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. We're going to awake one day. Some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. We're all going to live forever, but it's just whether we live with God or apart from Him. Verse 3. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament the brightness of the heavenly bodies, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Friend, please hear me. When you lead someone to Christ, or when you give money and that is used to lead someone to Christ, or when you lead someone closer to Christ, you are building something that will shine in heaven forever and ever forever and ever. It's a, an ongoing, uh, extra um, 
emphasis on the word forever and ever. There is a shining and a brightness. Now, we don't do it for our own glory. We don't do it to say, look how great I am. But we're building our eyes light because we're looking at eternity and we're saying, I'm building forever. Friend, what are you doing to reach the lost? What are you doing to support others who are reaching the lost? How are you reaching out and helping people get closer to Christ? Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament. He who wins souls is wise, the Bible says in Proverbs 11 verse 30. If you win souls, you're wise. And if you lead many, turn many to righteousness, you'll shine like the stars forever. So we've seen that that, that is how we do it. And then the last one is giving up of our finances, which we've already spoken of. Do not lay up treasures for yourselves on earth where moth and rust destroy. We build into the kingdom forever. Now, I'm aware that some of us will hear this and will say, I feel like I've wasted my life. I feel like God had a plan for me, which he wrote in his book before I was born, and I'm nowhere near that plan. It's a bit like a, on a map, a route on a map. God had planned a, a route from when I was born to when I would die, and it's a lovely route like this, but I'm so far from that route that I feel I could never get back. I've wasted my life. I've set my eyes and my mind on earthly things. I haven't really served God. And I feel like, how can I ever get back to this? And my friend, I want to give you such good news today. The Lord is gracious. He says that if we confess and we say, Lord, help me, he will come. 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can start absolutely fresh with a clean slate today. He also says in Romans 8, 28, that he can work all things together for good to those who love him. What that means is that even though you're so far off the path that God planned for you, he will work that together for good and make a new path that leads you to where he wants you to be. And it's good. Romans 12, verse 2 says his plans and his will and his path for you are good, pleasing, and perfect. Good plan. It's healthy. It's pleasing. It makes you happy. It's perfect. It couldn't be improved upon. And that is the plan that God has for you. Jeremiah 29. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's what God says is his desire. Now, what do we do from here? We say, Lord, I'm sorry that I've wasted my efforts, my passion, my, my focus on earthly things. But today I want to start building your kingdom. Lord, I want to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness in my own life and in others. Building the church, giving money, uh, giving of my efforts and my time. I want to seek first your kingdom. And this is where the rubber hits the road. Because when I realign my focus... And I say, God, your kingdom is what I want. I pray about his kingdom. I pray about growing his, his kingdom on earth. Suddenly worry falls away. You know, Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be. And he actually was saying that you can do a hard reset where you say, I'm going to make a decision to take some of my money, some of my time, some of my activities and my priorities, and I'm going to effort, make an effort to move them to building the kingdom of God. And as I do that, my heart moves to the kingdom of God. And as I keep doing it, 
on a weekly or a monthly basis, I say, Lord, I'm going to give you the best and the first of my time and of my treasure and of my focus and passion. And I put it on God. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to give money. I'm going to serve your kingdom. And as I do it as a decision of the will, my affections change. And over time, I find that I love God's things and God's people. That's where my heart is. But also the worry strips away. And the amazing thing is, just like God gave manna every single day, and then they, they couldn't store it up. They could only store it up for one day a week. Uh, it's the same with God's provision. He wants us every single time we receive money, or every day, or every week, or every month, to refocus and say, God, I'm putting your kingdom first. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. So that it's never a thing where we can do it once for all. We have to keep deciding. I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep prioritizing. Pray with me, my friend, especially if you are in a church, but you're not serving, or if you're not in a church, we want to help you. We've got a website called leadinglightsnetwork.com. You can have a look at it. We'll help you do something greater for the Lord. But pray with me now. Say, Lord, I want to seek first your kingdom. I want to build your kingdom. I want my eye to be focused on what is true and eternal. Lord, I want to build things that will last forever. Please forgive me for going off track, Lord. Please forgive me for worrying about myself or earthly things or being selfish. Please forgive me for my fear and worry and panic about the future. And Lord, I choose now. I'm going to prioritize your kingdom in my money, in my time, in my passion, in my effort. And I'm going to build for eternity. Lord, I thank you that you forgive me, and I thank you that you give me a new start. And friend, if you don't know Jesus, it's this simple. I said I would pray a prayer with you. This is the prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you lived and died on a cross for me. You died to pay for my sins, for me wandering off the path, and you took the price so that I could be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me now, I ask you to come in and make yourself Lord of my life. I will serve you and live for you all the days of my life. And I will build your kingdom till the day I die. I love you, Lord. And I thank you for your promise that you will never leave me or forsake me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, we love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.